I'm Jordan. And I'm Rosanna. And on this podcast, we explore how to take life off autopilot and relentlessly pursue a life worth living together. together. Hello, and welcome to Season 7, Episode 11 of the Relentless Pursuit Podcast, Coffee Talk. Jordan, did you know that coffee dates back to 880? Oh, that's all? Did you know that since 1987, Starbucks opens an average of two stores per day? That's quite a few. Did you know that you can order coffee 25,000 different ways at Dunkin'? I'm not even sure how that's possible, but it must be true because I too many options, looked yeah. it up. Uh, let's face it. In our modern world, we are three things. We're stressed, we're blessed, and we're definitely coffee obsessed. Don't believe me? Did you know that the average American spends about $1,092 on coffee every year? Wow. Meaning some spend more and some spend less, so just the average. So have you ever calculated how much you spend on coffee? Because if you think about it, how much you spend on something is a good indication of how much you value it. Perhaps. All the coffee is not that expensive. I mean, we get our, our Folgers, a warm cup to wake us up each morning. Yes, because we're cheap, cheap and frugal, so we have mm-hmm. our Folgers. So, right. So maybe that's why it's, you know, the average is $1,092. And of course, you buy it at Costco in the big canister for like $9. But um, my coffee in bulk. There you go. So maybe it's time to take a little inventory of our relationship to coffee. And that's kind of what today's episode is all about. A little bit of the history, a little bit of the uh, the background, the science, the, I don't know, the health, uh, and yeah. a little bit more. Well, what struck me about this is that, uh, you know, for, for all of those different reasons, like coffee is this like interesting daily routine for us and for billions of people around the world. So um, just taking a look at that ritual, because it's something we, we take for granted, but at the same time, and as, as we're prone to do on this podcast, like take a look at those things that we take for granted, those things that are really part of, of who we are and what we do. And a coffee and caffeine certainly plays a role in that, but one we've never really examined before. So it would be interesting to look at just some of the, some of the, the chemistry and the physiology of what actually are we consuming and why and what does it do to us. But also, like it struck us too, that there is something of a ritual to it as well, both personally and socially. And I think that's worth exploring too. All right. So let's, let's dive right in. Is it too early to, I didn't plan on bringing this up so soon, but since you brought up Duncan and 25,000 different ways to order, I'm going to throw in my You've Got Mail quote. Do you know what year the movie You've Got Mail with Tom Hanks came out? Oh, gosh. And Meg Ryan. 1998? Wow. Wow. Spot on. Was I spot on? Yeah. Love it. Yeah. So uh, that movie was, uh, it was very right in terms of coffee. It's very wrong in terms of bookstores and even the role that, uh, you know, like obviously mail, email has developed a lot more since then. All right, let's stick to coffee. Anyway, that's so that's why, yeah, so I'm, I'm quoting the, the coffee purpose. Um, so it says, the whole purpose of places like Starbucks is for people with no decision-making ability whatsoever to make six decisions just to buy one cup of coffee. Short, tall. Light, dark, calf, decaf, low fat, non fat, etc. So, people who don't know what the hell they're doing or who on earth they are can, for only $2.95, get not just a cup of coffee, but an absolutely defining sense of self. Tall, decaf, cappuccino. Well, that was dramatic. Well, I'm trying to you know, summon my inner Tom Hanks here. Um, so it has to do with, with, of course, like ordering coffee and the way 
that it is consumed and the number of options that you can often go through. But I thought maybe we can start by just talking about a little bit of our coffee preferences and our coffee routines, and our listeners perhaps can compare what coffee means to them. All right. So when I think back about my my coffee drinking experience, um, you know, uh, growing up, coffee coffee was a thing for my family. Um, you know, like people came over for coffee. Like that's what that's what they did. Like extended an invitation if they. You can't just come over. You, you can't just come, come over. over it's like, a cup come, of coffee. We have a cup of coffee. You cut the entomans and you sit around the table and you just kind of BS and whatever. Um, you know, they didn't they didn't really invite people over for a drink. I mean, they may have had something to drink while they're there, but it was like over this like shared cup of coffee. Um, and I know that's like kind of something you've said in the past where it's like, coffee's like a warm hug sometimes. Like, I don't know what I need. I think I just need a cup of coffee and I feel better. So coffee was like always kind of in the background, um, like of exchanges with my family and how they invited people over and welcoming people and all of that. Um, but coffee is like a morning habit for me. Didn't begin until like I was mm, 22, 23. Um, and at about that time, I was like student teaching for the first time, had my first teaching job. And I remember like we were just married and, you know, we had the coffee pot on the counter and I brewed coffee and I, I took it with me. And mm-hmm. that was kind of like that that first time in my life where like coffee was like a regular like ritual pattern. It was part of the routine, Mm -hmm. Uh, mostly because I'm not a morning person, uh, which you can attest to. And it was like, I needed something to help wake me up. Uh, Prior to that, I would say like, so that was what, like 2006, 2007, roughly around that time. I would say circa 2004, 2005, Starbucks kind of became a thing. Like yeah. in the hometown I grew up, that like a Starbucks was planted. Yeah, which was interesting because kind of the idea of the the coffee shop as a, a location, a place to go to and gather at, at least, I mean, we were coming of age at that time too, but Starbucks really helped like make that a thing for our generation. Right. Because when I was in like junior high, high school, if you wanted to like go somewhere to study, you went to the library where like you couldn't eat or drink and you had to be quiet and whatever. So um, I remember like 2004, 2005, there was a Starbucks in like the hometown that I was raised. um, And it was like this, you could go there. And even though you didn't like coffee, you could, you could order coffee that didn't taste like coffee. So it was like coffee as a novelty and as a place to go and as like something to do with a friend. Oh, let's go get coffee and let me drink coffee that tastes like pumpkin something, yada, yada, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't a coffee experience as much as like a social experience and also drinking something that was way less coffee than it was sugar and pumps of stuff. Right. Um, it's like a little, yeah, like a, a beverage dessert in many ways. So, you know, kind of transitioning from that, then like... Uh, coffee got really serious for me from like 2010 to 2018. Uh, in those years, that's the time I had four kids. There was a lot of sleepless nights. There was a lot of interrupted sleep. And by the time we'd get like a kid on a sleep schedule, we had another kid and it kind of like yeah. threw it out. Did you ever have to abstain from coffee? Like when you're pregnant or breastfeeding? No, they tell you that if you're drinking like limited. a normal amount. Yeah. Um but breastfeeding did not work out well for me because I didn't produce a lot of milk. So like literally coffee was like my crutch for like seven years. Like I remember having like two to three mugs in the morning. Another mug midday was like I was a zombie. I was exhausted. And like you could I could not drink enough coffee. Hmm. Um, and I could just drink coffee all the time and it didn't bother me. Now my routine is more of like I have a morning mug, sometimes a mug and a half. Um, and then like 
then I'm done. Like I'm done with my coffee. So like, and I do that when I wake up. So whether that's 5.30 or 6.30 or whatever, but when I've met people for breakfast, like at nine or gone out for coffee with a friend at 10, like I really don't want coffee after that. It's like, I have my morning mug. It's like kind of like a part of my, like, I wake up, I like it quiet. I like to slowly drink my coffee. Um, and then like, I feel like ready for the day and I'm ready to move on. Like I really don't drink coffee for the most part at all after that. Um, and I don't know if this is because I'm old, because if I have like a cup of coffee after 1 p.m., I literally cannot sleep. You've always been like that. So um, so like occasionally I'll grab a nice coffee or if like I'm working a wedding, like we might pick up some coffee and that kind of is like outside of the bounds. But I'm not a pick up a Starbucks one to three times a day kind of person. It's It's more of we're back to like there's the morning cup and then as a novelty as needed later. Okay. It's quite the history. Well, I thought about it. <laughs> my uh, my approach to coffee has been a little bit different because I, I feel like I have been a morning person, so it was never something that I felt like I needed. Um, but I did grow up, and I remember there was like, you know, my, my mom very much needed coffee. <laughs> so she'd come down very zombie-esque. We weren't allowed to speak with her, but she would like press one button, and the coffee was like you know, preset on the coffee maker, so she'd boop. Then it would brew and she would brood uh, for like the next 30 to 60 minutes. And then she was like ready to start her, her morning routine after that. So after witnessing that for my formative years, um, I didn't really feel like I needed it. But around your family, especially like in the evenings after dinner, be like, you want some espresso? And for the first like eight years, I would try it once in a while and not like it. But eventually I'm like, actually, I kind of do like this, especially as I got busier with college and then career and i found like it could really make my my the espresso would make my evening hours super productive i'm like man i could work until like 11 midnight and this is great i drink a lot of espresso actually and then i could fall asleep like just fine i suppose and be okay so then then eventually that was my introduction that was the gateway drug and then i eventually transitioned to morning coffee along with you yeah i mean i think it was like two years into marriage before you're like I'd be like, oh, you want me to send you with a mug of coffee? And you're just like, I don't need it. I don't like it. It tastes awful. Blah, blah, blah. Like very like anti-coffee. And then all of a sudden it was like, I think it was like when we had kids, you're like, that that was like the transition was made. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm 27. Even still, I feel, um, I I feel pretty, uh, I feel good in in the mornings. Like I don't feel like I have this like morning fog most mornings that I I need to the coffee to kind of transition me into consciousness. Uh, There's a character in the great Gatsby in the movie and everyone's like drinking and taking drugs. And she's like, no, I don't do any of that. I feel just as good on nothing at all. (laughs) So I, I would adopt the own that, that for myself too, but it has become like very much a ritual. I've probably had it every morning for like 10 years more. Um, And so that, that's kind of what gets me. It's like, well, why, like, why is this, especially for someone like me who claims probably falsely that like, I feel just as good without it. But um, like, you know, why is this such an established part of our mornings and even just like socially an established uh, kind of like medium for gathering? Well, yeah, I mean, like I often meet a friend over coffee, right? Go somewhere and have a cup of coffee somewhere with a friend. And so, yeah, it's like it's like this thing. It's it's a thing. It's a thing to drink, but it's like a thing. It's like a social. I don't know. What do you call it? Like. Just like the social exchange where that's like uh, an easy like place, excuse. like a, a medium to like be with someone 
with the intention of looking them directly in the face and talking to them about something. Yeah. Even if it's just like silly and, and playful, but it's it's like this thing where coffee draws people together. It does. All right. So let's talk about our coffee preferences first, because uh, I feel like there's a wide variety with this. And I think there's even a little bit of judgment uh, between like how people take their coffee. And so you have, so we'll explain like what we prefer, but you also have a little tool that can maybe, <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. You I, I pulled up something you... off the internet that says like, what does your favorite coffee say about you? And it lists, um, what is it? Seven different types of like ways that you might take your coffee and what that may indicate about like your there's, personality. So was, it's just a little, it's tongue yeah, in cheek. It's, it's nothing serious. But then I read it. I was like, eh, it's oddly that accurate. Us. Yeah. It's oddly accurate. Okay. Do you want to go first? Well, why don't you tell us how you take your coffee? Um, I take it. I, I just drink it. I, it's black coffee. So um, yeah, I just pour it and drink it. That's it. Well, actually, there is one other important step. I pour it. I wait 30 minutes. So it's cold. So it cools off just no, a touch. Cools. Yeah. But that's the thing with black coffee that you uh, creamers uh, don't understand is that like when you pour the cream in like straight from the fridge, that changes the temperature of the coffee, makes it more readily drinkable. Black coffee is like hot, hot, hot. And you just got to let it cool naturally. All right, just let it cool naturally. So that's how you take your um, regular, what do we call that, drip coffee? That's your sister who has a barista. Did you want drip? Uh, Does it come out of a pot? What is Mm -hmm. it? Like, we are not coffee, like, connoisseurs by any means. We do not have flavored pumps and... We just drink cups and cups every day. We have uh, an old school Italian espresso pot. It's like a percolator. We have that. Uh, We have a, like, coffee maker, That's a Cuisinart yeah. coffee maker. And then we have like a instant espresso kind of pod thing. Yeah. Uh, so we're not like super fancy. We don't spend like millions of dollars on special beans. Again, like Folgers from Costco. Um, but black, regular coffee, regular. I say this because we say at my house when people come over, do you want, a, do you want espresso, like Italian coffee, or do you want American coffee, which is just coffee right so but so you gotta explain that to the listeners he, he drinks <laughs> yeah. black both ways so even espresso he puts nothing in it and just drinks it so no sugar no drink. cream i did uh I, I i've gone to starbucks and even at starbucks when i'm there i uh because i like to go there and just to get out of the house to work sometimes if i'm not meeting somebody there but i still order black coffee at starbucks and usually i get an odd look from the barista and one girl said out loud one time she's like wow dying breed is people don't order black coffee from Starbucks. Well, you also, often, I guess. you also won't uh, buy into like ordering it as, as they call the coffee. You're like, I'd like a small black coffee, please. Yeah. I have a hard time. Can I... He won't order a tall or a grande. He it's just orders tall. a small black. It's coffee. not even that tall. Um, but I do, when I really want to treat myself, then I'll get a latte and they ask me like, Oh, how many flavored pumps of that? I mean, no, just the lot, just regular latte, regular latte. He doesn't even know how to choose a milk preference because that's how plain he is. Like, <laughs> like whole milk upsets my stomach, but he doesn't know that that's the default and that you know okay. he can ask for different. All right. So, so, what does my what does my coffee say about? So me? you're the black coffee drinker. This is what it says about you. You're very straightforward. You like to keep things simple. You're quiet but moody, and you're all about minimalism. Bing, 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 bing. I'd say that's right. What does moody mean? I, I take I take exception to moody, quiet but moody. It sounds like. Well, it makes me think of this like. When my parents look at you, your face when you're excited or when you're pissed off is the same. You're just like moody. You're just moody. You got to look about you. Well, I don't know about that. You got a face. Yes. I approach life with a, a balanced equilibrium. There you go. Nothing ruffles your feathers. 
Um, so when I drink coffee at home in the morning, I drink coffee with a little cream. Now, for a time, I even gave up putting cream in my coffee, you know, to save like the extra, what, like 48 calories and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's not worth it. And you know what I decided after like, you know, even just being healthy and exercising and, and watching like my intake of sugar and all, all that, I've decided that I am not willing to give up cream in my coffee. There's no need. I enjoy it. And I don't put like I used to it used to be like, would you like some coffee with your cream? Like that used to be me when I started drinking coffee. Now it's like Mm -hmm. it's way different. It's a lot of coffee, a little bit of cream, just enough. And you know what? I'm fine with that. So that's how I drink it. It's like uh, you go to Portillo's and you order a salad. Or somebody makes like the vegan brownies. It's like, no, no, just give me the brown. Just I want the real deal. If I'm going to eat a brownie, I'm going to eat a brownie. <laughs> so anyways, that's how I drink it at home. If I am going out to like Starbucks, I I don't get Dunkin' coffee unless I literally want coffee with some cream in it. Um, so I'm not like if I'm going to go grab coffee, it'll probably be Starbucks. Um, and I'll order one of two things. One is a cappuccino. Same thing if my mom is making coffee at her house, like I'll be like, will you make me a cappuccino? Um, or the other thing is like, you know, some variation of a latte. So the latte drinker, it says. Oh, ten- okay. Before we, you get to this, uh, just a clarification, because sometimes I will go to Starbucks and I'm like, hey, you want anything? And then even if you tell me verbally, like I still need you to write it down because, and I don't know if this is a me thing There's or you thing. There's a size thing. preference. There is a milk preference. There is like a certain type of latte, yeah. like. And they're just inventing to... kinds of milk that you can have like soy milk, oat milk, they're almond inve- milk. They're inventing milk. Look at this guy. <laughs> anyway, so I, I have trouble like keeping track. And I'm nervous that if you if you mess up like one of these levers, it's going to throw the whole concoction off balance. And I don't want to disappoint. Yeah. So I have to text it to him if he's going to pick me up coffee. And then he reads it like a robot into the machine, like with a question mark at the end. <laughs> it's very, it's fun to watch. So um, what it says about the cappuccino drinker. If you're a cappuccino drinker, you may be obsessive and controlling, Chuck. Creative, honest, and motivated, and makes excellent friends, but gets bored with unimaginative people. I would agree to that. Um, And like I said, if I'm not ordering a cappuccino, I'm ordering some version of a latte. Uh, Tends to be neurotic, check, likes to please people, double check, often indecisive when it comes to making decisions. And if you've ever gone to dinner with me, or have asked me where I'd like to go for a drink, this is 1,000% true. Yeah. All right. So our coffee says a lot about us. So um, yeah, this might be interesting just to look up for yourselves and see to what extent does your coffee preference correlate with your personality overall. There you go. Have your spouse or some significant other friend uh, rate you and see how much that stacks up. So what's fascinating about this is that your coffee, it is a drug. It is a narcotic. It is a, a psychoactive drug, just like so many other things. It's a plant that grows and then messes with our biochemistry. It messes with our, our brains. Um, but it's widely used. It's widely accepted. Like everybody uses it. And we have since whatever, 800 AD. Um, so the, the, And there's an interesting history we won't get too much into, but we consume this. It's, it's really the most widely consumed psychoactive drug, and it's largely unregulated, and we have it through, uh, we have coffee. Sorry, I, I was talking about caffeine. I don't know if I clarified that. So the caffeine is the most widely consumed psychoactive drug. We have it through our coffee, which we're focusing on, but you also have it through tea, through soda, and energy drinks. Um, and it affects our central nervous system. So thinking about it like that, it's like, wow, like I, I'm consuming this drug 
every morning. We don't think of it like that. We just think of it as a, a pick me up, a boost, a little welcome to our day, or as I said, a hug. Oh, nice warm hug in a mug. Yeah, which um, is also why I don't drink cold coffee. There's no hug in, in no iced hug coffee. In yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I was looking up just kind of like some some coffee stats, and it says caffeine is the world's second most popular psychoactive substance, second only to sugar. Is sugar psychoactive? I don't. It wow. Says. Okay. So I looked up right. what psychoactive means because, like, psychoactive, like, what the hell are we drinking? Like, all of a sudden, I'm like, what's going on? Yeah. So it says a psychoactive substance is a chemical that changes functions in the nervous system and results in alterations in perception, mood, consciousness, cognitive, or behavior abilities. Wow. Okay. I didn't read anything about sugar. So that, that throws me off. I really wanted caffeine to be number one. So it says, you know, people drink it like caffeine and, you know, coffee is probably like one of the the major ways that people have caffeine um, for the beneficial effects like concentration, memory and physical performance. So it's like we're it's you know, like is, this is a performance enhancing drug that we drink on a daily basis for yeah. for that for that purpose. And then I was like thinking one step further. I'm like, when you look at the definition and it's classified as a psychoactive substance, you know, with that that definition now i'm thinking like that like that's what i use to boost me in the morning like how is this any different than than like you know legalizing marijuana and people using that like as a way to like relax at the end of the day well there's there's stigmas that are placed on like certain drugs at at certain times depending on the country the generation the perception around all of those um but yeah i mean like it it reduces fatigue and drowsiness it increases alertness reaction time concentration but it's it's like its effects its presence is is mild enough that we we really feel better about ourselves and about life like after consuming it but it's not like whoa there's a purple dinosaur right it's not going to just like completely throw off our sense of reality either well i don't I think that's funny because you and I do not dabble in recreational marijuana or drugs in general, but we think like that by doing that, we are going to see a purple dinosaur and be completely inhibited. And that's not true either. Take a gummy or, you know, smoke some weed. I don't think it's any different than coffee. Well, we'll, yeah, that'll make a great show. Like we should experiment with that and then come back and report. (laughs) Everyone's like, you guys are lame. First look. Um, So... So it's really interesting, like like thinking about those effects, because, you know, on, on the one hand, I'd like to think like, you know, I, I, I have enough control of my consciousness to maximize my own output. But what the hell? Like, why, why not indulge in what a lot of people call like the, the perfect chemical? Yes, there are side effects. But overall, like, why, you know, why not have this so that you, you can enhance your concentration, you can enhance your mood, you can enhance your focus and your alertness? I mean, right. And but if you th- if you go back and you do like the research on like, you know, coffee, it's grown and then it's processed and this is what it's used for. There have been many times throughout history that people tried to ban the use of like coffee and caffeine hmm. for these reasons. So that's why I was kind of comparing it with like marijuana, like currently legal, still a lot of stim- like stigma with it. And people will be like, you can't, can't use that. You shouldn't use that. That's going to impair you. But like coffee does impair you and you can overdose on caffeine. I mean, it said like you have to drink like, I don't know how many, 30 cups of coffee in order to have like these like crazy effects and whatnot. Um, but if you're looking at like the properties of, of caffeine and coffee and what they can do and what they do, like like it, this is just something that has like just progressed over time, become accepted. But I mean, it's 
classified as a psychoactive substance. It blew my mind this morning. I was like, I, I really? And we're just drinking loads of it. We are. So I, I read this quote, and I actually have a couple of quotes from Michael Pollan, uh, who's known. He's written a number of bestsellers related to like just uh, like uh, diets, eating, um, omnivores dilemma. I think was uh, one of his first books that put him on the map. Um, so in an interview, he was talking about a, a upcoming book that he uh, was going to publish, and he t- touches on caffeine and coffee, and he says. Constant personal caffeination has simply become baseline human consciousness. Baseline. Coffee is baseline. Well, right, because so many people drink coffee on such a regular basis that we're like, well, what what is life like? What does it feel like as an individual and as a society to not have it? We don't know. We don't want to (laughs) know. Yeah. Well, and I saw something that said 85% of the U.S. population consumes at least one caffeinated drink per day. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm just going to assume. that's including children. Well, I was going to say, but think about like from birth to like, I mean, we don't let our kids have pop. It's like few and far between. It's got to be a special occasion. Right. But like, so like take, take away like kids from like birth to a certain age aren't drinking caffeine, you know, on a daily basis. So it's 85%. Like think about like everybody besides, you know, probably small children are Mm -hmm. drinking caffeine on a daily, at least one, like. You're right. Like, we don't know what it means to, like, function or live in a time or in a place where that is not readily available. I mean, and go, going back to, like, the psychoactive drug and sugar, too, it's the same. How much sugar is in a lot of the processed foods that people are eating on a daily basis? Yeah. Well, sugar is, it's di- like, it's an ingredient. And I feel like that's, you know, like, that's that's just kind of inserted into a lot of the everyday food that we consume if we're not careful. I don't think that's the case with caffeine, though. Like caffeine seems to be more. Right, you have to like it's more, be in search of it, yeah, and personally take that. Then it's not sprinkled into. Yeah, most like things. I'm not checking the ingredients on my bread and like, oh, there's, there's you know, five milligrams of caffeine in this. Um, a oh, one little fun tidbit for you. When I back in the day, when I was uh, really cool, the junior year, captain of the high school chess team. And we were competing. We were competing at state, by the way. So we were pretty serious. Pretty big deal. Yeah. Um, my like, I called it my my little like my secret weapon. But I, I didn't really drink pop, and definitely not coffee at that age. But I would like drink a can of Coke for the caffeine boost, like right before or during a match, so that I feel like I could like just focus on the match a little bit better. Wow. Mm-hmm. So all you all you aspiring uh, chess captains out there, pro tip. I love you so much, but sometimes you are the biggest. I drink a Coke before my chest. Come on. I was 16 oh years old. Gosh. You can't are be you like. Okay? Yeah. This is ridiculous. Go ahead. So you might be interested to know. <laughs> He's actually, all tongue-tied now. That I read about, um, and we'll get into like some of the recommended uses for caffeine. But one of the things might be like to, like if you're not consuming it, if you consume it all the time, then your body like just becomes a little bit more accustomed to it. And some of the best benefits are not noticeable um, or they're not taking full effect. But if you're not drinking it all the time, then at a time when you do want to like boost mental or athletic performance, then you could have like a regular normal dosage of caffeine and it might actually help. Right. So then what does that say about like the fact that we are habitual caffeine and coffee drinkers and like, are are we still really getting the boost and the benefit? Is it something that we, because we've been using it for so long, it's kind of like dull, like, right. You do the same workout forever. Your body 
kind of starts to flatline. So like a little, you if, still get the boost. Well, you still get the boost, but your your body isn't as like you know. Like I remember being younger and having coffee, and like you said, like all of a sudden you're like, I'm gonna like produce all of this work and content from like seven p.m. to midnight, like crazy. Like even now, if I have coffee, I, I don't know that it's. I have an espresso and go to bed, <laughs> which is also it's really not good. You're also part time narcoleptic, so there's yeah. that. Yes. Um. So let's see, a couple of thoughts here. One is, all right, so I couldn't find any information on this. And I, I'm sure somebody has done this because I feel like this is a common experience. So it's, you know, I've described it as a warm hug. So it's it's not just the taste. Certainly like the way I drink it, there's there's not a lot of taste involved. But like I would- Well, there probably is for people who spend like, like freshly grind their beans and do pour over, co- like you just- well, hold on. I'm getting to the the actual the act of ingesting coffee. Right? We really don't guzzle it; we sip it. And there's something about sipping that I tried to look up, like the the psychology or the physiology of the sip, because it is different. And it's like almost like a, I, I would compare it to when you like if uh, you're taking a drag on a cigarette. Or maybe if you're like just breathing intentionally in yoga, like it's it's like this little like sort of like rhythmic exercise that you do. Like you 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 sip it in, and then most of us afterwards go ah, right. And it's it's interesting to have that little ah, afterwards. I don't know if we all do it. My dad, um, that was we we give him a really hard time growing up because he would do that, and my mom would get annoyed by it, and we'd watch them go back and forth. So anyway. There's, I think there's something to be said about not just the chemical, but like the, and this was maybe what it adds to the ritual of it is like the experience. Like of- it, you're forced to take it slow, unless it's like some super like froofy or it's got more flavor or it's iced, and so you right, can like consume it a little, little bit faster. Frappuccino, or you just slurp it up and yeah. kind of just drink it down. And that's fine. But like your like your your common coffee experience, like hot cup of coffee, you're forced to sip it rather than guzzle. And I think that's a different kind of experience as well. And I think it's overlooked in the current coffee and caffeine literature. Well, I mean, the same is true of having a drink at the end of the day, right? Like. For the most part, you don't just like come home and like pound a drink. You like sit down with a glass of wine at night, like, you know, with your honey or out to dinner, you have a cup, right? It's it's not for the purpose of like tossing it back real quick. It's like this slow, methodical, like enjoyment. Like I've got this cup, I'm going to make it last. Like it's, you're right. It, it, there's something more to it. It's yeah, not like just wine about- Wine or cocktail forces it, you to sip it as well. It's, it's not about just drinking it down and like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to guzzle this and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go like- you're like the whole, it's like an experience for your body. Like it's going to enjoy it in. I'm going to let it like work its magic. And then I'm going to go. Yeah. No, so there's, there's something. So any psychology or biochemistry PhDs who want to look into that for us, there's got to be something out there. About, there's always room about for you sipping. on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to say that I also wanted to bring up more of this social aspect as well. This is also a quote from Michael Pollan. So, uh, we talk about like the the history and the economics of caffeine and especially of of coffee, but also of tea. And he says that it's caffeine that drove a kind of enlightenment thinking. So we're going back to the 1600s, especially the 1700s, where just the the cognition of the Western world uh, really seemed to change. So he says the coffee houses that stretched 
First, across the Arab world and eventually Europe became not only the internet of their day, spreading gossip and news, but also centers of discussion that fostered important cultural, political, and scientific exchanges and helped usher in a new spirit of rationalism. And so then he goes on. So he talks about a like coffee or tea as like a like a gathering point. Like here's an excuse for people who want to have quality conversation will gather together and do that. But also he goes on to talk about how it's an institutionalized drug that has helped to fuel the rise of capitalism. And why? Because it makes people more productive, more focused. You can get more output from individuals. And so capitalism is possible in large part and like the rise of or keeping up society can keep up with industrialization because of caffeine. I mean, I'm not going to say no to that. I right. Mean, so I think he's saying, it. yeah, you don't drink coffee, then the whole world goes haywire. Could be. Do you remember like growing up though, like right growing up in the 80s and 90s, like pop, soda, or whatever you call it, depending on where you're from, right? That was like king, right? Do you remember like everybody had two liters of pop in their fridge? At every party. Yeah. Everybody had cans of pop. Like, do you see people drinking that anymore? You don't. Sometimes. I know, but it's not, not, not like it much. was, right? Not like you much. don't see like all of these like Pepsi, Coke, Sprite. I mean, like it used to be king. Like that was the king of caffeine. I feel like we're far more health conscious now than we were. Right. And so now it's just this shift from, yeah, pop, which has, you know, like sugar and, and all of that in there. Not that coffee doesn't, depending on how you drink it. But it's kind of just this shift in caffeine focus. Like we went from generations of, of pop drinkers. And I know that there are people who still drink that, right? They have their 48 ounce big gulp of soda and whatnot. But like, yeah, it's just now we've become a generation of coffee connoisseurs. And like, we didn't even bring any of that into this, right? Pour over coffee and, and this kind of coffee and French press coffee. And I mean, like, it's the mm -hmm. whole, it's the whole thing. Yeah, it, there's a whole subculture there that we're just, yeah, we're fucking not, like not into it. So we can't speak to that. But it's kind of like the rise of like craft beer as well. Yeah, craft and people coffee, like, sure. yeah, really get into or like, like wine connoisseurs as well, which is far uh, more ancient, but like just recognizing like, oh, what is it? What is it made out of? How is it produced? How old, like all the factors that go into it. Right. Flavor. How is it pressed? How is it grown? You know, all of that. So my palate would like, it just. Yeah, it's, it's. It's hot. You you can determine temperature and that it tastes like coffee, but you could not tell a good bean from a bad bean. I don't think. I, no, I really couldn't. Um, and it's okay. Like, but still, like you know, people, and I'm sure some listeners may like you know really get into it and have like develop very specific preferences for uh, either like just the the place where they like to get coffee, the kinds of ingredients or supplements that go into it, or if you want to get more detailed, like where's where's this bean grown or how is it imported or I really like Caribbean beans over uh, Arab beans. I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about, obviously, but there's a, a wide variety out there. So you could really get into it. Sure could. But I think that that fuels part of the the culture surrounding coffee too, where it's like there's there's something in it for everybody. Same thing with with alcohol. Like you could just get your your Budweiser, or your your MGD, um, or you could really like be like, oh, like there's this new brewery in Wisconsin, uh, eight hours away that has this specific thing that they've been doing. I really love it. If you're going that way. Well, and it's true, but you know, when you're talking about like coffee and capitalism, it's like okay, we've roasted some beans, now we make some coffee, but like. Think about all of the derivatives and variations and different ways and different ways to press it and where you can source your beans and who you can support. Like, I mean, we've gotten a hold of that and really, really stretched that pretty far in terms of capitalistic perspective. Yeah. 
So the recommended dosage of caffeine is 400 milligrams a day for your typical average healthy adult. Um, so I'm like, oh, can you okay. translate that into something? I'm that... like, oh, the great, yeah, 400 milligrams. <laughs> can <laughs> I weigh that somewhere? Like, what's... <laughs> so roughly, that's roughly like three to four cups of coffee. Now I looked at what, but like, like a cup, as in, so then like, that would be like eight a, ounces, eight ounces in a cup, like not a, like, like a four measurable mugs. cup. Right. There's a difference between, and I had to do this too. I'm like, all right, a cup of coffee is not a mug of coffee. No, it's like those little white cups that we have. So um, I drink, I drink, by the way, I drink my coffee out of a Relentless Pursuit podcast mug every day. Every day. Yeah. He has two, just in case one's dirty. One's dirty, then I can drink the other one. Um, so that's back when we were uh, producing some some merch, and we'll have to break those out. If anyone wants to start their morning, not only with a boost, but also with a reminder of their own Relentless Pursuit. Hit us up. Yeah. I'll get you one. <laughs> anyway, but those mugs actually contain two cups. So it's like, okay, so it's uh, really, if I have two full mugs, then that's- You're inside the legal limit. You're okay. Then, yeah, that's that's really about 400 milligrams. So that might be worth it. Like how many, how many cups does my mug hold? And then you know how much you're drinking. So it seems like it was on average, like 100 milligrams per cup, give or take. Um, if you have an ounce of espresso, that's 64 milligrams of caffeine. Right. And that's like, so if you're in Italy and they give you a shot of espresso, that's probably an ounce. If you're in America and they give you a shot, well, maybe not in America, at a coffee house, they're still giving you an ounce. If you serve it at my parents' house or at our house, you're getting a crap ton more than just an ounce. It's a, yeah. You're getting like four shots. It's a cup. That, yeah. You're getting a cup. Pack, packs a punch. Um, so, you know, obviously like too much caffeine can, it has certain effects. And so they say like 400 milligrams for a number of reasons. One, if you if you have too much caffeine, then it could result in headaches, insomnia, nervousness, irritability, uh, being jittery. We've all experienced frequent urination, or this also says inability to control urination. Um, so this is from uh, WebMD and Mayo Clinic, some of this information, fast heartbeat, muscle tremors. But I am uh, was most interested in learning about caffeine, caffeine's half-life which means that the amount of caffeine in your body uh, is diminished in half after normally five hours, like five to eight hours. So if you're drinking your coffee and you have 200 milligrams of coffee at 7 a.m., then maybe around noon, you still have 100 milligrams of caffeine in your system. So this is why it can often affect our sleep because if we're drinking it like a little bit later in the day, then it takes it could take like you know a long number of hours like 10 hours more for caffeine to be like completely out of our system or inert within our system so people recommend having a caffeine curfew which means like you're not going to drink any caffeine related product including coffee or for me like those after dinner espressos anytime after they normally say like 2 p.m. I, and I concur with that. When I have coffee after 2 p.m., you do not want to be around me because I cannot go to sleep. No, a fun story. This is going back maybe eight years oh ago or so. Like you did, ha like for some reason, had an espresso at night. And I'm in bed. The kids are all asleep. But like all the lights are on in the house. Rosanna is going on. He's like so dramatic because he was asleep. So this is how he remembers it. The lights were not all on in the house. Every light was on. Every light was on. Yep. 
And like, but the, the worst part, like I might not have noticed any of that, but you're going on like a cleaning frenzy. And then I even have like a little nightstand next to my side of the bed. And you're like opening that and putting things away and dusting. I'm like, we're saying it's midnight. Like, what the heck are you doing? And I think I bring that up every time she contemplates. Well, my dad is so great. Like we're at his house, you know, we've had dinner. You want an espresso? And I tell every week I tell him, dad, I can't have coffee this late. My, my mom, how about a cappuccino? Cannot have. I then repeat. I joke, I'm like, well, my nightstand is a little dirty. Yeah. Maybe the house yeah. does need dusting. Why don't you yeah. go ahead and have a cup? Um, so it the the reason why I I was fascinated by that is because um one like I I feel really drained in the afternoons, and I'm really tempted to have like an afternoon cup of coffee because um by the time usually this is the time where like I'm coming home and the kids are coming home and it's it's family time. I don't want to be like a lump for the next few hours. I, I want to feel like my best self and I can engage with everybody happily. So it's like, you know what, let me, let me have a cup of coffee so that I can be more of who I want to be around everybody. Um, but I do notice that I wake up tired a lot, even though I've slept for seven or eight I've, hours. I've, yeah. I've, I've slept for enough time. So I was looking into that as well. And there is some interesting information just about like how that ends up affecting you. Um, so uh, one of the things that I read was that there's a sleep study done where people drank coffee at various numbers of hours prior to going to sleep. And then they were, then they were monitored. And people who had coffee even six hours prior to them going to sleep, um, so this is maybe at three or, or four in the afternoon, um, they, according to the sleep monitor, got one whole hour less of actual sleep. Um, and like they, they may have been unconscious, but like the, the you know, the, the different levels oh, of sleep, um, they're, they're just not reaching. Um, but when they would wake up and they would like write down how much sleep they got, like they, they overestimated how much sleep they actually got. And I feel like that might be what I'm experiencing as well. And I don't think it's solely related to caffeine. But it, it can just be that thing that, you know, we, we want the effect for the short term, but caffeine does affect us for the long term. And this creates the vicious caffeine cycle where, you know, you feel tired. Because and so you, you drink more So caffeine? you drink more and that messes with your sleep. So you still feel tired the next day. So you drink more of it. So you have to be, because it is a psychoactive substance, you have to be careful. That's right. It's the vicious cycle. The vicious cycle. What else you got? I have a quote from Jerry Seinfeld about coffee. Oh, look. You know, he started this whole thing, I don't know when, 2013, 2014, comedians in cars. Drinking coffee. Getting coffee, yeah. And so there's there's something about it, like we said, like that social element. So he's spent a lot of time thinking about coffee. And I think he has some um, nice context here about it. So I'm just going to read this Jerry Seinfeld quote. He says, meeting someone for coffee suddenly seemed like a wonderful, compact, accessible, and portable social interaction. You don't even really need a place, but you feel like you're doing something. That is what coffee is. And that is one of the geniuses of the new coffee culture. It's similar to going out and getting a beer. Um, it's just a thing to do together to give a pretext for conversation. It is a social bonding tool. Yeah. I mean, we, I mean we've done a whole episode, gosh, in what, season one or two about face-to-face -face and side-by-side. -side. And that, it, it's both. Because you're going somewhere to do something with someone. So it's part of like that interaction of you know, a being with someone, being present with someone, but then you're also face to face with them. And, and you're talking. And like I said, whether it's lighthearted or serious, uh, whether you're talking politics or dirty diapers or, you know, commiserating over something or crying, like, 
it it is it's this it's this shared experience where you're with someone um and you know it's it's, it's, it makes it's, me feel like a good host. Like if someone comes over, it's like, you want a cup of coffee? I'll make you an, even in, um, remember the office that I used to have, like I, that's where I had the espresso machine, mostly for me, but somebody would come into the office. Can I get you a cup of espresso? Espresso or espresso? <laughs> no. Uh, so, right. It, it is like this, this little pretext for getting together. It'll just come over and stare at a table I think food does that to some extent, but like, it kind of breaks barriers and walls and boundaries, and it, mm-hmm. it's kind of like this this safe space. Yeah, and you can meet anybody there. We can take our kids to a coffee shop and just one on one. Like they don't, they usually like the cake pops at Starbucks, but we you know we can get a drink and we kind of show them just culturally like how you can sit down with somebody. So I think that's something that um, I, it, we want to recognize like both the role that it, the little ritual that it may play in our mornings or different points throughout the day, um, but also socially too, how it seems to be this, this active ingredient in the way we interact with others. Yeah. I mean, I would just challenge you to kind of look at your coffee consumption, you know, kind of consider when you're drinking it, uh, when you should be, how much you're drinking. Um, and, you know, just kind of think about that in terms of like, how, how are you feeling, right? Like mentally, um, are you sleeping well? Like, when are you using it? How are you using it? Is it as a, as a crutch? Is it more of, um, a ritual, you know? Um, and I think it's just something to consider like as, as you move forward. All right. So I'm going to end with a preposterous idea. So I like the word crutch. Um, part of the information that I shared came from Sleep Smarter by Sean Stevenson, um, but he says, use caffeine as a boost, not a crutch. And um, we had talked about back in 2020, I think we were doing like these 30 day experiments where we would take a step back from something or we would try something for 30 days just to see what our relationship to it was like. So like we did this with like alcohol, like for 30 days, just go without it just so we can just like re-examine a relationship to it from like more of a distance and from like a third person perspective. Um, we never actually tried that with coffee though. So what if we went 30 days without coffee? So, you know what I think, okay. well, I'm just going to say off the bat for myself. No, okay. I'm not going to do it. It's like, all right, well, she um, seems to be considering it. Yeah. No, no. For this reason, like with, you know, in 2020, we did that with alcohol and not because I had a problem by any means, but I was like, you know, like just because of like COVID and everything, like, you know, drinking more because, you know, who cares? And what yeah. I, like, you know, it's just like, let me just stop. You know, same thing. You could do that with like sweets or you commit to a, a workout program for X amount of days or whatever. Because I am drinking like, you know, within the allotment of like caffeine for like what is like normal healthy consumption. And because I don't drink it like after a certain time, like I already know my body well enough to know like what my body can handle and how it should handle and all of that. Like I feel no need to like completely cut it out just to know that like for the first week that I do that, I'm gonna have a headache every morning because I'm used <laughs> to caffeine. Like just not, I'm not going to do it. Okay. I I've, I'm thinking about trying it. And the reason why is because I really want to know like what I'm like without it so that maybe I can either appreciate or understand it more or use it more as a boost rather than as like a, like a daily crutch, so to speak. And I don't feel like it's a crutch. I mean, there's really, we don't feel like there's any downsides to it, but I feel like to truly understand it, I need to not have it in part of my life so I can see the difference. Well, but so I, I think- could enjoy the rainbow after the storm. 
Wow, that was really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, for you, I think like I don't, I don't know. Like, do, do you feel like you really need to cut it out in the morning? I think you should consistently commit to not having coffee after one p.m. in the afternoon and not letting it mess with your sleep. Like, do you need a p.m. espresso? You don't, because you're not having it at two, so that when you come home at four, you're like on point for the kids. You're you're brewing one at seven or eight o'clock at night, and then you know trying to get some good sleep, and you're not. So it's like. Like, why take away your morning mug when you don't need to take away that mug? Why don't you take away, like, the crutch that you're using at night, you know, after you've had a glass of wine? So you're, you know, taking a downer and then an upper and then going to bed. No wonder you feel like crap. Duh. Like, play with the parts that you feel like you're misusing or aren't healthy, not, like, something that's, like, perfectly in line with, like, yeah. Being normal, a normal That's human. That's not bad either. I feel like I need to formulate. No, he's got to go extreme. <laughs> let let me not cut cut that out. Let me cut out like something that's totally well, normal. I, f- I feel like I need the one in the afternoon more than I even need the one in the. But morning. you don't have it in the afternoon. You have it at like seven or eight o'clock well, at night. That's an easy. Okay. okay. All right. Well, well, obviously we've got to figure this out a little bit, but I think it's it starts with the dialogue. Um, and what about you all? Like, where does where does your dialogue begin with your relationship to coffee, your relationship to caffeine? Um, and you know, you can start looking at perhaps other things that go well beyond that with how it uh, maybe how coffee or caffeine adds to your, the social element and the social dynamic for yourself, either with friends, with family, or at work. And um, also, I'm just curious, too, this opens up doors to consider what are some of the other rituals that we have that maybe we take for granted, maybe culturally, or just part of who we are and what we do. Um, But we can take a step back and maybe assess it for what it actually is and the value that it gives us. Yeah. Why do we do what we do? That's a great question to ask. There we go. Uh, This week, I'll post on our social media this, what does your favorite coffee say about you? So if you're an espresso drinker, a frappuccino drinker, an instant coffee drinker, or a soy milk drinker... Uh, you can find out what that says about your personality. That's right. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you know any coffee lovers out there, then go ahead and share this with them. Of course you do. Uh, We all know coffee lovers. So lots of opportunities to share this conversation. And we're curious too, um, what else do you have to contribute to the conversation about what does coffee, what does caffeine do for you? And as always, we enjoy hearing from you. Don't forget to go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and a glowing review, and we will see you again next week. Bye, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. We hope you'll use this conversation as a starting point for your own. We hope you're encouraged to think and act more intentionally. If you want to learn more, you can visit our website, therelentlesspursuitpodcast.com, where you can find notes on today's show, plus additional blog posts. And you can subscribe to our free members list. Please subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends. Facebook and Instagram are two great places to connect with us for daily doses of our quotable quotes, behind the scenes, and real-time photos, videos, and challenges. Until next time, let us know how you are taking life off autopilot. And relentlessly pursuing what matters. What matters.